bullshit trade offers random at random periods during the night. Would you offer him? Oh, I don't know. I've I've <laughs> I've offered him like because he wanted to be all pissy. So I was just like, oh, OK, well, I'm just going to send you like a bullshit trade offer like once an hour during the Thursday night game. I sent him one like once an hour throughout the whole game. And then after that, I sent him two like during like the middle of the night. They were just like, hey, I'll trade you my kicker for Michael Thomas. <laughs> Man. Does that work? Can people just hop in? Um, not continuously. Like if he jumps in and we all stop at the same time, well, I'll just put his clip to end with all of ours. Right. So it right, should right. match up. Do a do a sync clap. <laughs> I know you I know you hate that idea. Just tell everybody to clap on three. And then you can look for that little spike in the do we do we clap after three or do we one two three clap or is it one two three? Oh my god! People like you, Brandon. <laughs> That's a very good question. It's a lethal weapon question. Three, three. We always go on three. Is it one two and then three or is it one two? Three? Go. <laughs> is it just the three? The three of us? No, I'm here. Oh, I mean, I saw the names. I was like, okay, but nobody's saying anything. Are we doing are we doing guys podcast? Because we just talk about Annette Benning the whole time. Might be the dudes who are the only ones who liked this movie. Oh, I loved <gasps> this movie. I liked it too. Oh, oh. oh. interesting. interesting. <laughs> it's just one of those like it's it's it was so classy and <laughs> you know mm. like this this is this is a man that you would want to definitely be your president. Or your boyfriend. Or Not your, you, or though, your, Or your boyfriend. Not you, though, Brandon. No, I was asking. Oh. I have a question. Why on our outline did you put Blade Runner 2049? That was a joke. Oh. Because it's Bat- Batman 2022, Dune 2021, Blade Runner 2049. I got it. That's good. Thank you, though. That was <laughs> I didn't. I didn't look at that part, so I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't look at the entire thing. Well, I mean, I you know, I obviously made some comments about you know, like it's the best work from home job on the planet. You did. I saw that, and I appreciate all of your comments all of the time, Brandon. And also, my girl trying to do the sneak out on the on the president. How how dare she? Right. That bewildered look when he got up. He's like, "This is the first dick. What are you doing?" <laughs> America's dick. Girl, you better get back in bed and something something second term. I don't <laughs> I've got I've got four more years in here. <laughs> that was just the primaries, baby. We haven't even gotten to the general. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't like that. It gets it, it gets rough in the general. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, hey Nick. Wait, right. Nick, what year were you born? 1990. So, okay, help me with the generations thing. Like, I was born in 85. Am I a millennial or am I, like, what? what is the year, the cut, like, the millennial year? I've, I've heard 84, I've heard 85, I've heard, like, 80. I don't, I don't know. I thought it was 86. I thought, or maybe it was 86, like, I, so but you guys, but your generation is, a, you're millennials, right? Considered yes. 
I identify as a millennial. Antonio yes. does not, though, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Jen doesn't either. She likes to talk shit about him. Mm. What? What was that? I identify as a millennial. Oh, I mean, why did you also just like that? But it says it's 1981 to 1996. Okay. What do you think? What generation do you think Forrest Gump would be? He's the he's the greatest gen, right? I, I was literally right. He's the greatest generation. Gen A. Oh God. Get out. Oh. <laughs> he's gonna leave that in. Oh shit. That's fucking terrible. I walked right into that one. Really. <laughs> that was a build up. Yeah, it, it it yeah. Slow slow build. That's right. That's right. But the, the climax was was awful. If I had a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Who amongst us? Let's do it to it, Big Daddy. <laughs> Uh, what's uh, what's everybody been watching this week? Amanda, <laughs> I watched American Honey with Shia LaBeouf and Riley Keough. I hate to start off with uh some dong talk, but you definitely get to see just a glimpse of Shia's dong, and I was Ooh. ready for it. <laughs> well, how was it? <laughs> on Netflix. It is on Netflix. Yes, it's not. You don't get to see him hang dong, but you definitely do. See some dong. Like an outline? No, like it going into someone else's. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it went full penetration? Probably not, but it looked like In it. In this economy? It looked, it looked good enough to <laughs> look real. <laughs> I don't know. He is pretty method. Yeah. Um, and fun fact, the rest of that cast, other than Riley and, and Shia, are all people they picked up on spring break in various places. Around the country. Yeah. Shouts to Sasha, right? Is that her name? Sasha Lane. Sasha Lane. American Honey. Yeah. I was thinking Honey Boy. No. <laughs> uh, my yeah, bad. I, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> I was like, really? It was a really good Dog? movie, though. The The music is awesome, and the acting was great. It felt very realistic. I'm a fan of uh, Andrea Arnold. I don't know what else she's done. I haven't done any of that diving yet, but um, I really loved this one. Brandon just shot me a text saying, asking, it was it length? Was it width? Was it length and width? Yeah, I mean, these are all things that... Was it just, was it just like complexion? Did it just I look... Have just... No, you saw it. Did it, did it look you... heavy? <laughs> no. <laughs> did it How look can heavy? it look heavy if it's already halfway in? <laughs> no, you can tell... Okay, I'm not gonna get into dick science. When you're hanging it, science. when you're hanging dong, is when it looks the heaviest. But if you, you know, you got a meaty bastard like Tiger, you know, it just looks heavy all the time. <laughs> I hate, I hate you and everything that you represent. Meaty bastard, <laughs> <laughs> a big veiny triumphant bastard. Um, it's like if Jonah Hill like never stopped drawing dicks and just became an adult. That's Brandon. <laughs> Brandon, uh, did you did you watch anything this week other than Tyga's Dick? Uh, I did actually. I finally started the morning show uh, oh. on Apple TV, and it is fantastic. Oh man, it the the writing is great, the acting is great. That that show is a quality show. So you went straight from the office to. 
the morning show. I did. Well, it's, it's it's a little it's a little troubling to see uh, Michael Scott <laughs> yeah. being accused of uh, uh, sexual misconduct because he's very clear that he did not rape anybody and that they were all willing. So it's rough. It's a rough look. But uh, he's also rocking that beard, and uh, Steve Carell with a beard. It's a good looking man. Doesn't he have a beard in like Foxcatcher with when he's got that giant ass nose? Maybe. I don't remember. I don't think he did, but I just always see like the uh, pictures of him like always looks like he's ready to get on a boat and he's got like that gray, scruffy, GQ looking dude with his tan. That's the life, right? Always looking like you're ready to get on a boat. God, that's that's listen, we're not advocating for wearing boat shoes everywhere, Brandon. I know you want that. Uh, that would be I'm the always life. ready to get on a boat. <laughs> That's where this podcast is going to take us, each of us. International waters. That'd be kind of cool. I'd be down. I'd be. I mean, yeah. Be like that movie, Pirate Radio. Yes. Mm, yeah. What a deep cut. <laughs> yeah. Well done. <laughs> I just really like that movie. I thought it's. A, I think it's a great movie. My sweet little baby Jennifer. <laughs> I did not watch much this week. I did start to finish. I thought I'd caught up fully on Shit's Creek so I could start season six. But I hadn't, so I'm finishing up season five right now so I can finish the last and final season. Oh my god. Um, I'm so excited. Did y'all finish it? We haven't no. we haven't even started season six, but okay. how good is season five? I'm on episode 11, I think, basically, David just had something very special happen to him. No spoilers. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's such a... Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm on the episode just after that one. Uh, so I think I'm... I don't know how many episodes there are, but I think I'm almost done. You are in for a treat. Oh, I'm excited. And I hear nothing but good things about the last season. Did it happen at the store? They were on a hike. Oh, that's season four I'm thinking of. My bad. My bad. <gasps> yes. No, season five. <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking about the. Wait. I was thinking about the the song in the, in the. I know what you're thinking of. Everybody knows what you're thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, watched a couple random things that weren't there were whatever. But Nick and I have been working our way through it, chapter two, which is almost a three hour movie. So it's taken us a couple of days, but it's really good. We have like the last hour to get through. But I still wanted to include it because we've already watched like two hours. It's basically <laughs> a movie itself already. But that one's really good. Um, Bill Skarsgård is terrifying. Like just in, in general. Just as a human being. I asked, is he married, right? Oh, I don't remember you just asking that. Partner. Is he married? I don't know. I just, I just imagine like if that's his voice without any edits, like if he just like wants to fuck with you and like starts like doing those crazy voices. I'd be absolutely pissed. Like Nick started doing this fun thing where he's hiding something around the apartment to scare me. And he's gotten me twice. You don't want to say what it is? It's it's a Furby. <laughs> <laughs> Those are terrifying. They are. I, and it's my fault. I brought it home from my parents' house because like they had it in like a storage bin. And I was like, oh, my Furby. And then I remembered I used to have to keep it in my bathroom because for some reason it would turn on by itself in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. The batteries are dead now, so it doesn't turn on. Nicholas, don't put batteries in that. It'll never stop talking. Oh, man. Furbies, the first TikTok. Did y'all realize like these were banned? 
No shit. In 1999, yeah, they were, I was looking up what they're worth. I mean, mint condition, it's almost like $4,500. Ooh, I have some at my house, because apparently I needed more than one. I'm still holding on to all the Beanie Babies. Same. They'll be worth something eventually. I mean, Princess Di has been gone a while. <laughs> and that fucking bear has not gone up in value. Do you have one? I think we have like five. And we have the, like, my mom was real bit, like, obviously it wasn't for me, like, my sister. My mom got those, like, plastic clasps to put on, like, the little the heart thing. Yeah. 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 There's a Princess Di bear. Yeah. Bear. It's a commemorative. It, it doesn't look like Princess Di. But <laughs> I was going to say, like, is it, like, smashed up? Don't say it. I fucking knew you were going to say that. It's still too soon. Still too soon. It is. Furbies are a lot darker than I thought they were. Like all the questions I'm looking at online. Crazy. That sounds... Can a Furby turn evil? Sounds racist. Why don't you racist shut up a Furby? Fuck. <laughs> I thought I thought Furbies were, you know, pure. White. Uh, Jennifer, you don't wanna you don't wanna talk about the Ides of March? Oh yeah, we ended up watching that. Cause it, that's what I nominated. I'm going to be honest, I hadn't seen it. I just saw the cast and was like, this looks good. Mm-hmm. I don't even think I watched the trailer. I almost nominated it too, and I have never seen it. Just like, this one looks worthy of the podcast. I drew a complete blank, and I couldn't think of a single like political movie off the top of my head besides Air Force One. So I literally just had to Google. Um, we ended up watching it, I think it was like on Wednesday. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Hour and 40 minutes. But it's very slow. George mm-hmm. Clooney directed it, but it's really just like the first, what did you say, like 30 minutes are like pretty dry, like slow, like very kind of how campaigns are run. Like it's just like all the technical stuff and then shit kind of gets real. Someone may or may not die. I don't know. It was good. I liked it. Shouts to forever. Shouts to George Clooney. Forever. Shouts to Philip Seymour. Oh, yeah, he was yeah. great. Brian got is a little little weird in it but uh i mean he's what he plays like a 30 year old campaign manager yeah there's a section in there where he's where he's talking to evan rachel wood and he's like how old do you think i am and she was like what is she She said 30 didn't she she said she said yeah and then he's like you think i'm 30 and and i was like like, i am don't don't say it Uh, i was literally begging him not to say it and he was like i i am 30 fucking And then she was apparently trying to play a 20-year-old. She was. I think she's always looked aged. Wow. Excuse me? That's fucking rude. (laughs) Distinguished young woman, I guess, is a nice I don't think she looks aged. She's too fake for me. Maybe it's Westworld, but she literally does look like a fake human being. Like a delicious human being. Brandon. You cannot use the word delicious when talking about a human being. Not in the like the sense of like eating her. I mean, she's only 33. Wow. She looks like 47, right? Wow. Look at her. You're wasting all your energy on Evan Rachel Wood and we have to get to Annette Benning later. I have plenty. Um, Lots of stamina. So, uh, so for for a political movie, um, I watched Boy State, which is a a documentary, a truly terrifying documentary, um, about kids getting into politics. Basically, is that that group that's in Texas? It's with the teenage boys. 
it is and um and it and it unearthed a long forgotten memory of my childhood in which i remember that my brother who was 10 years older than me went to boy state oh he was of age and i was like oh shit yeah i was i must have been like seven and saw him off to boy state i wonder what that must have been like for him because he doesn't seem like he would have i mean he's a outgoing gregarious sort of person but uh and maybe it was different then you know in 1997 doubt but, it uh it was pretty fucked up <laughs> like, <laughs> you know it's one of those things where you um and you know personal politics whatever i guess i don't i don't know i like to think that the the what is it the long the the arc of the moral universe trends towards you know in the positive direction or some fucking shit. I completely butchered a MLK quote. Um, bends towards justice, I think, is the idea. But like, you know, you think that that as people get older, that that things are just going to naturally get better. And watching a bunch of seventeen-year-olds basically like lie and and emulate very bad government officials, politicians to get their way in something that ultimately is meaningless. Like they win a, they win a fake governorship for a three week program that does nothing for them is, um, pretty fucking disheartening. So it's a very well done documentary, but I don't know that I can recommend watching it. If you need some sort of hope, (laughs) depending on your own personal politics, (laughs) maybe it's good. (laughs) Maybe you should watch it. If you want to feel good about the future, Nice to see the youths participating in politics. Yeah, it's it's an it's an illustrative. And and the other thing, too, is it's Texas. So, you know, it it naturally sort of draws draws a certain subsection of um, the electorate or eventual electorate. But uh, real rough. (laughs) Um, Is it similar to Michigan as far as demographics go? Uh, I mean, at one point they, they follow, uh, there's, you know, so it follows a bunch of different storyline or people, basically kids, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, one of the kids is like, you know, I, I'm from Chicago and, and I am a Democrat, but I came here, you know, cause I thought it would be a good idea to like learn. And he was like, I have literally never seen this many white people in my life. (laughs) Perhaps equally disturbing, but in a separate category that fits in with this week's movie. Um, I watched a Michael Douglas movie that I have seen before and that I'm a fan of called The Game. Oh, damn it. I thought it was a chorus line. <laughs> hmm. uh, one of these days. Um, shouts, to, shouts to David Fincher, my guy. One of yep. my guys. One of my directing guys. Um, this is a lesser Fincher movie. In the canon, still pretty good. Still pretty good. It's got a and it's got a good Michael Douglas performance that I that I particularly enjoy uh, because I feel like he's playing to type. But I'm sure we'll get to that later, <laughs> as I'm fond of saying. Um, so yeah, so so you know the the two the two God, what did I say? The two um, two youths. The two genres that I that I have have watched this <laughs> this week. 
Michael Douglas in, in political movies. Converge in the movie that that we watched this week. Again, it's not a surprise. I don't know why I keep holding this off until my turn since it's again, it's in the title of this podcast. But today is Tuesday, November 3rd. It's Election Day. And we at the fun table are here to provide a not so brief distraction. Um, And maybe not even that because it's we're still talking politics. For the first time, we're talking about a political movie, which is. But is it? But is it is a great question. (laughs) (laughs) But is it? Yes. We've uh, we've skirted the boundary of what is acceptable, I think, quite, uh, quite well. Um, You going to tell them what it is? Yes. The movie, the movie this week. I was (laughs) like, oh, fuck, I think I feel like I'm forgetting something. Yeah, the the Uh, movie. The movie this week is 1995's The American President, which is, I believe, Ryan's nomination this week. Is that two in a row? I can't wait for both of your episodes to flop. (laughs) <laughs> one more is a winning streak <gasps> Antonio <laughs> I've been here for a while god damn yeah I got here at the end of uh, Jen's what have you been watching you didn't say anything I didn't want to interrupt the ebb and flow of things so I voted for this because you know this is a Sorkin movie I get I get five actors five directors and now I have decided that I get five writers and Aaron Sorkin is one of my guys for writing. Um, he's got a bunch. He's got hits. The man makes hits. He's just uh, he's just a great he's just a great writer, and he really gets conversation in a way that I'm always a fan of um, watching his movies. So I had not personally seen this movie. I've watched The West Wing a couple of times, but I hadn't personally seen this movie. So I was I'd heard of it, and I was excited. I guess you know. I think I mentioned last week that I hadn't watched a movie for the first time on this podcast. So, you know, that's why I voted for it. Anybody else? I just voted for it because I felt like of all the categories Ryan would be an expert on, this is it. And he did not disappoint for me. The one you wouldn't call him stupid on? Yeah. Can't. Everybody gets one. Uh, I feel like this got three votes. Who else voted for this? I believe that I did. There was, I mean, there's no real rhyme or reason that I voted for this particular movie. Um, it, uh, honestly, I was hoping that we were going to go with my choice, which was Air Force One, so that uh, we could we could shout, get off my plane a bunch of times. But get off um, my plane. This movie did not disappoint. Um, the dialogue, the writing in it was excellent. The acting in it was was excellent. Uh, it's just, it was it was a good choice and a great contrast to our current political climate. Yes, we'll get to that. <laughs> because the current environment is better, right, Brandon? Wow. Wow. No, I didn't say that. I was that. wondering which one of you would turn on the other one first. Uh, nay votes? Were, were you guys... I was close to voting for it. It was between this and Ides of March, but I saw the cast kind of like Jen was talking about when she said she watched it. It looked interesting, but uh, I don't think you guys failed on this one. I thought this was a good choice. 
even though I'd never heard of it before this week. I too don't think I had heard of this one. Uh, I, like I said, like I wasn't like super psyched to watch it. I also wanted a Mayor, uh, Air Force One to win because I know that that's a good movie, like for sure. But this was a movie. Michael Douglas was there doing things. Hey, his daughter. I was excited. It's that girl from Little Giants. But yeah, I hadn't heard of it. Uh, so yeah. This is uh, this is a movie. I I will grant you that, Jennifer. Um, a, a brief bit of of internet research has has told me that this movie was initially pitched by Robert Redford under the tagline "The President Elopes," and then Aaron Sorkin does does his magic based off of that. Um, I, I mentioned that that this is the political week, and I believe Amanda that you were very quick to try to shut me down and say that, is this a political movie? Because perhaps it is of the two things, two genres that I feel like it falls under, perhaps it's the least political, I guess. Yes, it's definitely the B plot. Definitely the B plot, but a heavy B plot still. Yes. Um, Very, very dense, I guess, in comparison to a lot of maybe movies that, that are out there that existed that we watch on this podcast. Um, what did everybody think about? I guess the just like, did it work for you? Did did politics as a setting? Did the politics of this movie uh, stir you in any way? Antonio, I know you're a big you're a big politics guy, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a this is not a gotcha question. Uh, no, I, I, I find politics fascinating sometimes. Was was the politics of this movie fascinating to you? Uh, yes, but so I had a hard time with this film. I had to watch it uh, two times to kind of get it. Once before you wrote the outline, and second after you wrote the outline. I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's okay because uh, I didn't take notes the first go around because I was just enjoying it. So I don't know. Like I thought po- the politics in this movie worked because that's what caused. If you, do, if you take out the politics from as a subplot on this, what's really causing the the strife, you know, between Sidney Ellen Wade and President Andy? Andy Shepard, yes. He said, Andy. call me Andy. He did. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, as, as an engine, I guess, as, as a driving force to, to sort of move things along, you know, in the, in the romantic comedy portion of things. Right, you're saying that the politics is sort of necessary, which makes sense. I mean, this is this is a movie about the president. Um, Brandon, you had mentioned that that this this movie was the politics of this movie were refreshing in comparison to current the current political landscape. Right. So, I mean, I, I think his really just like the humanity of the president really shines through in that scene where he's talking about. Um, having to um, give the order uh, to bomb Libya. Libya. Yes. And he's talking about the janitor who's on shift and who's about to lose his life in an hour because he's given this order to, uh, to carry out this military action. Um, And it just, you, you can tell that this decision really weighs heavy on him and it is not something that he is going to go uh, on a debate stage and brag about doing is just one example of, you know, like 
and not to get too political, but you know, it, it, there's definitely a contrast between the empathy that this president shows versus the uh, lack of empathy that some of our other leaders have maybe shown in real life. Yeah. You know, I, I think the interesting thing, I mean, I a hundred percent agree with, with where you're coming from and, and maybe some other people do, but that, to me, this uh the the even the conversations about what they're talking about i mean some of this stuff you know the the big deal here the big two bills here are climate change and and gun reform right um crime you know crime reform basically um and those are topics that are still around i thought it was very interesting that there was um there was a line in this movie and a line in this movie this from 1995 that was like in 10 years there won't be a car with a combustion engine on the street and then you know we jen and i watched this movie the ides of march that came out in 2012 i think so uh 17 years later and there's literally basically the exact same line that says in 10 years you know there won't be a car that has a combustion engine you won't you just won't see it um and and it's one of those things where you know these these topics are are timeless, which is which is a good and a bad thing, but it also speaks, I think, to um, gosh. Re- remember how honestly, remember how nice it was when those were the main issues that people were talking about. You know, like th- those are the big things that the president is concerned with: is that he's getting like a, a climate change bill or like a a gun reform. Well, I mean, and and you know something else in his personal life, but still, that those are nice times. You know, well. I mean, and just so we're clear on the the gun bill, there's no way that this president uh, or any president in an election year could say that he was going to take away the handguns and the assault rifles and get reelected. There's no way. In this economy? Come and get it. (laughs) Yes, yes, there there is. Come and take it. I'm sorry. (laughs) Come and get it because I will give it to you. I don't I feel like I feel like the the criticism here often of Sorkin stuff is that it's it amounts to a liberal fantasy. But but Ryan, I mean, you're the you're the big politics guy. What is how does this as a as a political movie? How do how do you feel like this compares to give me give me a breakdown of this versus other other things that have come before or after, I guess. You know, I don't know. I, I feel like most of the political movies that have ever been made are usually centered around either some type of event in history or some type of controversy, whereas this one's very different in the fact that it feels like a political movie disguised as a romantic comedy or the vice versa of that. It's a romantic comedy disguised as a political movie. So that right there is just different. But then also some of the topics that it talks about and breaches, such as like the crime bill, environmental some of those things are still relevant today. Um, so I think that's a little bit different in the fact that you can have a political movie that the, you know, the, the premise policy-wise is still relevant. Ryan, as our, as our expert on movie presidents, how does, uh, how does this president compare to President, uh, president Whitmore in Independence Day and... Uh, President Beck in Deep Impact. Who's the better president? Who's the better 90s president? There's got to be a fourth. Is it Harrison Ford? Oh, yeah, obviously. How could you top President Whitmore on Independence Day? I mean, the speech alone is just crazy. But 
I don't know if I had to rank him, I would probably say President Whitmore, then President Shepard, uh, then Morgan Freeman in Deep Impact, and then Harrison Ford, I guess. Okay, yes. All right. Just just wanted to make sure we were on the same page. I don't know that Shepard, though, could lead us in a counterattack against aliens. I think he's too I think I think he's too diplomatic. Bill Pullman is getting in that jet and he's fighting those aliens himself. I don't want to say this is not a politics movie because, you know, quite quite heavy on the politics. But most of this movie is uh, is a romantic comedy question mark. I think it's definitely a rom-com at the end of the day, okay. which is which is a pretty interesting, I guess, you know, in concept, pretty interesting. Right. Did that does it does it land? You guys have alluded to how you feel about the movie on the whole. But but does this relationship between the two of them work for y'all? Does the courtship and and, you know, will they or won't they or, you know, uh, I feel like only the president of the United States could be that aggressive about pursuing a girl and it not be creepy. Like when he's in she's in his private quarters and he's making that he's giving her that speech about sex with the president. I'm like, man, like only the president could give a girl that speech and she immediately is like, you know what? You're right. I do want to fuck the president. Yeah. Anybody else does that? And she's leaving and probably slandering you on social media the next day about how you're a fucking creep. Well, uh, listen, have you met Monica Lewinsky? (laughs) It's ironic that that shit happened right after this movie came out. Um, I I do agree. I think that that is a... I mean, I, you know, you get why he does it, but uh, boy, that is that is a move. That is the ultimate um, reverse psychology to be like, listen, I understand. You don't want to fuck the president. You definitely don't want to fuck the president. Come on. Look at you. You don't want to fuck the president, right? Come on. You're scared. You're scared to fuck the president. Don't even worry about fucking the president. And then she goes in the bathroom and she's like, yeah, OK, well, I'm going to fuck the president now. Like, that's that's how this is going to work. I'll I'll show him. It's a move. Well, y'all, y'all kind of jumps to the scene where she goes in and changes in the bathroom, which, I mean, Nikki had already seen this. I hadn't seen this in like, what did I say? I was like, oh, she's obviously going to come out like in her underwear or something. Yes. Like, and just go for it. That's why she came there. Really. Um, but like prior to that, like y'all are saying like, oh, like who wouldn't want that? Like he's the president. There was quite a few scenes where her face was not looking like she wanted it in the China room or the dish room. Like, if y'all look back at it, like, her face looked like it was saying, hell no. And he just, like, kept getting closer. Would you say that an appropriate song for that scene might have been, tell me how to say no to this? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how do you say no to the president? The thing is, is that in that scene, he's got, like, a federal agent stationed. (laughs) You literally can't. The Secret Service. And she tries to like move whenever he goes off into the other room. She tries to like leave and the guards like, no, you can't. <laughs> you live here now. You stay here. Interesting. You mentioned the China room and, and just this, I guess, the setting in general. Um, you know, some of the, the research on this one uh, led us to the fact that uh, uh, it's very hard to, to film at uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Uh, so none of this movie uh, was filmed at the actual White House. Uh, Rob Reiner made several visits, but the China Room, Oval Office, uh, Press Room are all, it's all replicas. They're, uh, 
no actual scenes filmed at the White House for this movie, which I thought You're was interesting. That he, Michael Douglas, didn't actually have sex with Annette Benning in the real <laughs> president. Imagine the stories you could tell. An underrated portion of that, or, or aspect of that. Jennifer, we talked about this. In that scene, he's just like in the bedroom and she gets like escorted like to the door. Like he doesn't know that she's there and she just like pops in at at the door to the bedroom. So she's already had to like show up at the front door and he knows because he's the president that she's there on on site. And he's just like, yes, yes, I will. I'll see her in my bedroom. Bring her to my bedroom, essentially. Like, come on. It's a trap. Michael Douglas. What are we doing here? But are we going to skip past how very quickly this man was like basically told you need to find a girl like something like when his press secretary said something about him being a widow and like made a really kind of, I guess, sad or negative comment. And literally like the next scene or whatever, this woman just shows up and he's just like, okay, her, I'll have her now. <laughs> you will be mine. Like he didn't even like branch out. He was just like, yes, this one. And like, I think the relationship was like, what, seven, eight months total? Well, they offered to get him a girl. What is this, Vegas? Right. <laughs> My man being the president that he is says no. So does everybody on this podcast think that Michael Douglas was creepy as a president slash pursuer of a woman? As a president, I thought he was perfectly fine. As a normal dude pursuing a young lady middle-aged lady super creepy less creepy than joe i don't think so know how to talk to women uh joe biden i'm sorry is, is that what oh, you're doing joe goldberg i'm sorry from you never mind oh uh, okay <laughs> less creepy than like a a literal fucking sociopath that's uh that's something i've heard of her for the purposes of the movie yes it did seem to move a little fast and it felt a little awkward but I thought it was incredibly charming. He he's a widower. He just, you know, missed that he missed that affection that you get from a partner. And he saw someone who was extremely well spoken, someone extremely driven, and was like, Yes, her. I want to get to know her. I mean, even when he's having that little conversation when him and his uh him and Martin Sheen are playing pool. He's kind of like how we were back in the day. Well, did she say anything? Did and it's such a good line. I don't know, but I can pass her a note before study hall. Like that's such a that's such a well written line because there is that sense of having a crush on someone. And I don't know, maybe most of us have been in relationships and we're so far removed to what it's like to have a crush on somebody. But when you initially meet that person, you think about that person. You want to get to know that person. Like I remember the first time I met Amanda, it was kind of the same thing. I was like, I want to get to know that person. Nick, did you feel that way? The first time that I met you? You're making that face. Uh, yeah. In tennis? Oh, no, God, not then. Junior high doesn't count. Hmm. I think that there is... Um, way to avoid the question. And and the <laughs> the scene that sort of brings that, that um, awkwardness to mind, I think, is uh, is the bedroom scene, right? Because he, he says, um, you know, because, because his... His lines are essentially like a, a bravado thing, because once she's like, actually like, hey, listen, this is happening. He says, uh, what does he say? My um, something along the lines of being a little out of practice, right? Or something like that. Or 
Yeah, well, he says my, you know, the the beginning to the, his thing is, you know, you made me nervous, and then and then she's like, no, I'm not nervous at all, and he's like, well, my nervousness exists on several levels, and then goes <laughs> on to, and uh, you know, as a as a generally anxious guy, I really, that really spoke to me as a as a as a mood as a vibe, I guess. So so did you because you and I are pretty anxious guys. Too wild and anxious anxious guys. guys. Um, Did you find him creepy or did you find him charming? I, I mean, the thing is, is that he's he's still creepy sometimes. I mean, there are moments of levity where it's like, okay, this is just a facade, and I get it. I mean, you have to be as president. I feel like you have to, you know, you you have to put on a face to the things. But it's and the other part of it is just like it's Michael Douglas. He's just he he does creepy very well. See. I didn't think it was creepy. I thought nah. it was endearing because he was awkward. I, I don't or think like that over, overzealous almost in some instances. Uh, no, I guess <laughs> is what I, is what I the clearest thing that I can say is that like I don't find I don't think that I've ever thought to myself Michael Douglas is an endearing sort of person, and and the way that he plays this in a lot of different instances is not like I, I can see how you read it that way when he stares too long at, at someone it's like, Oh, okay, well that's sweet. He's like looking at her when she's not looking at him. And, and that's like a longing or it's like, yo, will you like just look away for a second? Don't be weird about this. Like, see, uh, I think that's a generational thing. I mean, he's from the gen a, so I don't think that like, from the gen a. speaking of, <laughs> I think that Tom Hanks might have been. Uh... I'd rather fucking kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> if Tom, if Tom Hanks was the president who fucks, I would be so mad. You bring up the point about Michael Douglas about him. When has he ever been kind of endearing and stuff? And I, you know, I think of I think of falling down. I think of Wall Street, and he's not that type of person at all. And in this one, I think that was his way of conveying to the audience, and I'm ultimately a lonely man, and I'm trying my best to flirt. I'm trying my best to not show my my lack of confidence because I haven't been with anyone. I haven't been on a first date in forever. I mean, they even say that when you're going to the to the state dinner, he's like, "I haven't done this in a while," or he says something along those lines. And she's like, "Well, I've been," and she says something that's kind of equally kind of weird in a way. I've been on a bunch of first dates, a, quite a few of them lately, actually. So it's like, okay, so you're a shitty date. You know what I mean? Like, but it kind of, it works for them. It works between the two of them. He then says that again when he's about to fuck. Right. Cause he's extremely insecure. And I don't think someone who's that insecure is creepy. I, I thought like for the time it's very, I don't think that's insecurity. I think it's, if you're married to someone for a long time and then they fucking die it's kind of awkward to get back out there if you were actually in a loving, committed marriage, right? Oh, sure. So I don't think it was necessarily creepy or that he was ang- like that he's awkward or anxious. I think he's just, well, I guess awkward, yes, but that's because he's uncomfortable with the situation because he hasn't done it. And not even just since his wife died, but since he was originally dating his wife, not like prior to their marriage. Because you don't, you don't do all the pursuit five 10, 15 years in, that's over. 
I I get where everyone is coming from with with this, and it's the idea that it's it would be hard. I you know, um, can't even can't even fathom where he's coming from with his wife being dead for you know, hey, you've been dating and and married for a combined what twenty years, and now she's been dead a year, and now you want to fuck some girl. That's that must be very hard for you, Michael Douglas. I understand. It's been three years. Okay. Yeah. She died before he was elected. Someone, someone, someone once told me that it takes half of the time that you've been together to truly get over someone. However, I think that you can be awkward without being creepy. And I, and again, all I'm saying is that, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's the own, my own personal things that I've got invested in Michael Douglas as a, as a, as a human being and everything that I know about Michael Douglas and all of the other roles that I've seen Michael Douglas thrive in. But uh, an awkward, self-conscious sort of insecure, you know, and not necessarily insecure, but um, unsure, you know, uh, on on unsteady footing type of type of mentality is not something that he plays well for me. I like Annette Benning in this movie, but I think I know someone who likes Annette Benning more. Brandon, talk I'll, to me uh, about Annette Benning. Go ahead and uh, take this. She is. Uh aggressive and she is actually charming in this in this movie michael douglas we can we can debate that all day but annette benning is actually uh very charming in this movie she's also very attractive i did not realize that uh annette benning was was uh that cute she's a a good looking girl i feel i feel like she gets flustered in a appealing way in in the way that um in contrast to 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 the other lead in this, I'm a I'm a fan. She she she's got both of the things that you that you want, right, Brandon? She's got she's she comes out real strong. She's real fiery. It's a lot of fire. She's also sort of uh, awkward and. She actually kind of kind of looks like a certain senator, uh, but a more attractive version of it. The certain senator, uh, Elizabeth yeah. Warren. There you go. <laughs> he's not wrong i could see it they could be sisters annette benning and michael douglas did not have any chemistry fair period i disagree really? on that with the t with a t they like the 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 script definitely helped create something that definitely wasn't there you know because she's she's witty and he kind of banters back and forth with her, which kind of gives it a little bit of an appeal. But they themselves, as actors, had no chemistry. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what it was. In the moments where there was no dialogue, and it's just Michael Douglas looking longingly at Annette Benning and Annette Benning trying to be like, oh, hmm, do I want to or do I not? Like, it doesn't work. They just right. don't go together. Right. I, I like it. It's good. And also, like the fear, the fear in her eyes. I mean, if you were being pursued by a president, wouldn't you be a little nervous? I would like to think that I wouldn't be fearful, but if Michael Douglas was making those eyes at me, I'm just saying it. It would probably be a little overwhelming, right? You'd probably like not know what to do with your hands, or your face, or your eyes. I feel like if you if you looked at those two images and you didn't know what movie this was from, you think it would be like some kind of horror film. Like he looks like the killer and she just realized it and she willingly went into that house and is immediately regretting it. 
Right. That's the look on her face. And by that house, you mean the, the White, White House. house. <laughs> <laughs> this is the purge election year. I haven't seen it. Don't spoil it. Um, we should watch that later. Depending on how November 3rd pans out, might be topical. You mean today? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Depending on how today pans out. Quickly, uh, I hate... Uh, we haven't talked recast in a while, I feel like. So you have ideas. I could see a Meg Ryan character being a little more successful with a Michael Douglas character. I would have thought like Meg Ryan would have paired well with like Tom Hanks. Okay. Oh, I don't boy. think that would work. I don't think that's believable. Do they have chemistry? Tom Hanks has chemistry with everybody. Oh my God. It's true. I think Robert Redford would be way better than Michael Douglas in this. If we're doing recasting, just on these first two, because these are the most important people. Actually, I disagree. If you're going to recast, you have to recast director as well, because apparently Rob Reiner and Robert Redford just did not get along. They were completely different. So like a Rob Reiner film, your president has to have that, that little bit of charm. If you look at A Few Good Men, one thing that Caffey has, Tom Cruise's character, is he's very charming. All of his leads always have charm. I don't see Robert Redford being as charming as Michael Douglas. Yeah, I mean, everything outside of the Annette Bidding stuff, he's charming. He's well-educated, well-spoken. He's very empathetic, obviously. He, he's obviously a high-character guy to, to, you know, <laughs> yeah. steal from the right. ending there. But, right. And so he, I definitely, he's definitely charming outside of the Annette Bidding stuff. Anything within there, creepy. That might be the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard out of your mouth, Ryan. <laughs> I have, I have seen, um, I have seen Robert Redford in quite a few things in my time, and I don't think that I've ever seen him in something in which I would not describe him as charming. No, no, no. The type of charm that works in a Rob Reiner film. You. Mm. I'm right. <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys I know this, but up the, for a minute. the looks you are exchanging do not translate. Yeah, I mean, but pregnant pauses do, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I would like the people to, I would like to think that the people who are listening understand that I don't believe any of Ryan's bullshit and I'm, and I'm not here for it. <laughs> I hope that was conveyed, but I'm trying to be respectful about it. And I hope that was conveyed by my silence. Your pretentious ways will not sway the audience. I don't listen. The audience is on my side. I don't side. think finding Robert Redford charming in, in a number of different ways, in a myriad of ways. And, and um, basically as a, as a charm chameleon, I don't think saying that is, is pretentious at all. I think that Ryan's approval rating on this one is going to be a little bit. Right now, Ryan is the president, Nick, and you, you're you kind of looking like our uh, our senator here on this one. Oh, don't call me, don't call me fucking, uh, god damn it, what is this? Don't call me Richard Dreyfus. I'll be very upset. Dang, what about Kevin Costner, Meg Ryan? <laughs> I don't I don't think that I would want Kevin Costner as a Kevin Costner is too folksy to do this. Too folksy? I don't know. I don't see Michael Douglas as a romantic lead and like essentially this is a romantic film. I didn't like him in a turtleneck either. 
That was weird. Yeah, that did look weird. I'll agree with you on that. Costume design was bad. And hair design. It was the 90s, man. Everyone had that cut. I feel like they just said, come in and whatever you have. I'm going to show this. Christmas of 96, four females in my family have that same kind of haircut Annette Benning has. I shit you not. Amanda's probably seen the picture and just not realized it. Oh, I've seen it. You've seen it, right? Yeah. Two cousins, my mom and my aunt. I mean, in fairness, Jennifer, I feel like you have a bunch of aunts that have that haircut. They, I was about to say, uh, <laughs> aside from the one with red hair, yeah, and aside from my mom's sister, my dad's side, three of the sisters had the exact same haircut. Yeah. Same color, same thickness, style, all of it. Yeah. Would we have liked a Russell Crowe in this, or is he too young? Uh, He's too much. No. Too attractive. What? <laughs> um, what's the what's the what's the good rom com Russell Crowe example? I don't have one. Right, Master no. Commander. <laughs> it's him in the sea, right? Him in Gladiator. the sea. Him and Paul Bettany just playing their little instruments yeah. together. It's so cute. I mean, that was pretty. A beautiful, cute. a beautiful mind. Also, him and Paul Bettany. Um, <laughs> Go on, bust your head open. Bust it open. Antonio, what is it about Miss Sydney Ellen Wade that either gave you pause or was like, huh, I could see that? Her hair was red and short. Hey, <laughs> speak to the people. And she's smart. <laughs> second, or not even second, third. <laughs> Didn't know they were allowed to be smart in the 90s. We've come a long Women? way. Yeah. Or redheads. Red Redheads. Redheads aren't allowed to be smart. But surely as a negative, I mean, she was she was center stage when they were burning that flag, though. Like like uh, Michael Douglas said, that was 13 years before he knew her. She wasn't doing anything illegal. Whether you agree with it or not is a whole different thing. I like I like your comment here because um, because it made me think, you you know, essentially talking about what, what would be the modern equivalent of this. If, if they did a version of this, good Lord, I can't imagine what a version of this that mimics uh, the current presidency looks like. But um, well, they're doing a parody of it right now, except in real life. Are they? Well, with the whole Stormy Daniels and Golden Showers. It's Stormy Stormy Daniels as the net Benny. <laughs> That's a parody. It's it's like it it goes all the way up until the point where um, where he's playing pool with Martin Sheen and he's like. Uh, we can get you a girl. And he's like, you know what? Actually, yes. And they get him Stormy Daniels. Yeah. <laughs> I think Brandon's seen that movie, actually. <laughs> How do we... Uh, wh- okay, so I-, I feel like both of the people don't work for everybody except for Ryan. Is there someone outside of this this central pair that really, that really stood out to you guys? As like a sneaky MVP, maybe? I mean, I think there are a bunch of great side characters. Um, I mean, I think for me, Michael J. Fox's uh, Lewis is, was a pretty good character. And then also his chief, chief of staff uh, and Martin Sheen was also good character. I mean, listen, if I was going to run for president, I would want my boy, one of my boys to be my chief of staff. I would have two chief of staffs and my guy is Nick and Antonio would be my chief of staffs. 
And I feel like if I was Chief widowed, of <laughs> chiefs, chiefs, chiefs of, of staff. staff. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I feel like if I was widowed, at least Antonio would offer to uh, to get me a girl. Nick would probably be like, "No, no, no, you can't do that." But Antonio would be like, "No, we could totally do it. It's the White House. What's all this power for?" having your your close friend as your chief of staff that's something i can get down with antonio if you were brandon's chief of staff would you call him mr president all the time in conversation in front of other people yeah yeah i feel like behind closed doors he'd be disrespectful (laughs) so disrespectful i would have to remind him that i'm the leader of the free world and I'd keep calling his bluff. I'm like he's he's gonna he's either gonna fire me or force me to resign. Let's see how how far I can push it. Let's see what scandal he's gonna you know fabricate to get me out out of here. Exactly. <laughs> I did like Martin Sheen's character. I have alluded to my love of the West Wing earlier. This is this feels like someone who it it's so weird to watch him do this to not be the president because he's so presidential and just the way that he. I don't know. I'd see him in stuff and I can't not imagine the president, but it's now for someone like me who saw this, it almost felt like a continuation. He went on to be president after Shepard left office because for me, it was, it was the American president. And then West wing came a little bit later. Sure. For me, the one that just, I thought kind of steals the show is Michael J. Fox. I really think as Lewis Rothschild, I think he really just kind of takes it to the next level. Like Sorkin likes to, when he writes a script or he writes a story, he likes to kind of pick a character that he would most like to be or that he views himself as. And it's obvious Michael J. Fox's character was like who he thought he was or who he wanted to be ultimately. Like if he had this spot in government, this is exactly who he would want to be. So to me, he has like all the best lines. He He's willing to kind of push the envelope. He's kind of, he's willing to push buttons and, and, and remind people what they are really doing there, like what their purpose is. Like, hey, you know, your personal life, great. You are the leader of the free world. Like this is your job. Like this is what you are here for. And don't you just wish sometimes... We did have someone like that. It's Jared Kushner, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Jared, Jared. I was really annoyed with the uh, Michael J. Fox character. The first go around I, I watched it. <clears throat> I just can't see. I can't take Marty McFly seriously. But then on the second watch, I don't know what happened. I don't know if like the I know the execution wasn't any different because it was the exact same movie. It's not like he heard my criticisms and then went back to 1995 and changed it or did he <laughs> on the second watch i was like you know what no he he's good he's not gonna go so far as to say he's the mvp but i mean i think he had the most memorable lines and scenes you know i guess he would be our uh i, I know we don't want to rip off the ringer but i think he would be does he qualify for Dion waiters he check yeah now nah, he's in it too much yeah but he doesn't do is he work. though I would, I would actually, I would say that Bob Rumson is more of the, the Dion Waiters because he's yeah, just a right. dick every single time he's on screen. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe you know, that's the thing is that maybe, maybe he's so good at what he's doing here that it's like viscerally upsetting to watch him. I know we don't want to tie this too much into current day politics, but it's just like, man, why are you fucking up this idealistic version or my nostalgia here? 
Like you're <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to remember a time in which things were simpler and problems were smaller scale and people weren't like assholes to each other. And you gotta be like, hey. That's what I meant earlier when I said like one of the reasons why I chose this movie was because it's actually still relevant today. We, including myself, were all too young to kind of understand how politics have always been played. Like even in this movie, like the Republicans are like the more holier than thou. Like what about family values and all this bunch of shit? And it's like, hey, is him having a relationship, being that he's not married, being that he's a widower with another single woman, how is that going to affect his daily job? Is it because she's a lobbyist? Okay, I'll buy that. But don't say it's because the president has a girlfriend or whatever. Like that to me is still relevant today because if that was if that happened today, that's exactly how it would be. And so that's why I think it's actually pretty fascinating the fact that like we haven't really come that far. We still are the same way we were 25 years ago. Yeah, there were a lot of scenes in here that I I was able to connect to, you know, this term or last term. I won't be specific. Yeah. War. War never changes, it's, right? It's still relevant, and we're still fighting over the same stuff. Sad. And in the same way. 25 years. Except on an escalated platform now. But see, like, if you look at, like, the Martin Sheen character, and you see that as the chief of staff, you have someone there to kind of steer you and tell you the things like, we're going to lose a couple points. We can't do this. We have to remember it's an election year. Like as shitty as it sounds like even in the beginning of the movie, they kind of set the tone. It's, hey, we can't do this because remember, we have to be elected. And rewatching it today, I thought, wow, both sides of the aisle, whether you're Republican or Democrat, their first goal in their first term is to get to the second term. It's not necessarily about what's best for the people or what's best for the country. No matter what side of the aisle you're on, you can agree that that shouldn't be the ultimate goal of someone's first term as an elected official is to get to the next term. It should be about doing what's best for the people. I mean, like every every politician's ultimate goal is just to be reelected again, right? You know, I, I briefly mentioned this, but that was the dis- extremely disheartening thing about watching fucking Boys State, where it's like a these people vying for a makeup or a pretend make-believe fucking election is like, they're essentially just like speaking to the camera and they're like, listen, I mean, you have to do what you have to do to get elected. You have to say what you what you have to say. It's not about what I believe. That's just ingrained in politics now. It's rough. How did we get here? How are we talking about this? I was trying to draw a comparison of like, like how a staff should work in a presidency versus telling versus kind of, you know, I kind of envision it now. Or And maybe this is how it, it really is, is like you have a bunch of yes people around. And in this particular movie, he didn't. He had people that challenged him. He had people that questioned him. Like that's how you, that's how things should be should be run or ran. I don't know. Tense. I shouldn't have taken it that tangent. But. No, but it's relevant, right? Because especially with us, you know, we're younger and we didn't know, understand politics in the 90s. I mean, like we know it on a on a surface level. We know what happened, but we don't we don't connect that that's the way politics have always been played. For someone like me, politics has played a big role in my life and I'm not sure with everybody else if it has or hasn't, but it seems like, you know, now everyone's a political expert and good for that. We, and that's, and that's a good thing in a way to where people should be more involved in what's going on in politics. It shouldn't be something that should be shied away from talking about because it does affect everyone in, in one way, shape or form. So it's good to know what is going on. 
But I think for someone in 2020 to go back and watch a movie from 95 and you can see the parallels and that not much has changed, I think that speaks volumes. I know we've touched on that a few times, but I just I can't stress that enough. I don't necessarily think I mean, I guess I'll I guess I'll have to be the person who pushes back here because I've hinted I've hinted at this before and I get I get what you're saying, but this is not an accurate representation of what politics was like in 1995. To your point, I guess, you know, in a, in a similar sort of way, there there is a policing of the culture that that is that has remained consistent. But um, but this is I don't necessarily think this movie exists or the the best maybe the best way to describe this movie is something that, hey, you should watch and, and be reminded of how things are similar, um, because this to me is more of um, honestly, it, it felt to me like escapist sort of fantasy. This is this is the nostalgia that like people when they say make America great again. This is the thing that they look back and they think, gosh, I remember when America used to be good. And and you think back and it and you see it through rose tinted glasses. And this is what you see. If you're if you're from the liberal side, you're like, oh, man, remember when like there weren't that many issues, you know, and we were just like more concerned about guns and and um, and climate change. And like, those are the big issues, but they really weren't like this is this is Aaron Sorkin's version of what like the problems were in America. And they weren't like that. Then I'm not saying that it wasn't, you know, that things are worse now than they were then because they are. I think that that I think anyone on either side would say that that's true. And, and the problem that he ran into when he did uh, the newsroom is that it's sort of like a revisionist fucking history where we're like, we want to be the people who know what is happening. Like we will, we'll make the best version of what has actually happened and put it on screen as opposed to the reality of the situation. And I don't think that you can shy away. I don't think that you can tell someone to watch this movie to get the reality of the situation. I don't I don't know that that's necessarily fair. This is probably way too serious for this fucking podcast. <laughs> I see your point of view and I respect your point of view to a certain extent. You're you could just tell me that I'm completely wrong. It's OK. I don't th- you know, I don't think you're wrong because remember, this is fiction. I wasn't with you at all. What were you trying to say? And then when you said the thing about Aaron, this is Aaron Sorkin's kind of like this would be my perfect world vision. I was like, okay, I get it. That And he's 100% right. This is a work of fiction in one man's eyes as to what he thinks or how he envisions, interprets, or whatever like the political landscape to be. And it's not necessarily 100% accurate. And it's not. I concede that. But at the same time, this story, this work of fiction is maybe perhaps an encapsulation of what we wish we could have. And I think that's where it's fun to go back in, in, a, in a nostalgic way and look at that time of this movie, not necessarily like the mid-90s and Clinton's presidency. I'm saying look at this movie and see that's how a administration should be or could be or can be. Sure. How would the stock market, though? Listen, Antonio, SPY was not doing nearly as well as it has done under your president. (laughs) Wait, is Antonio a Wall Street better? (laughs) (laughs) No comment. That is the that is the nice, the politically correct term there, Brandon, right? Is Antonio autistic? (laughs) (laughs) 
Brandon, Brandon, I don't think anyone here knows what our RWSB is, and so you've just you've just used the autistic word as if that with no context. No, no, it's a good it's a good thing, guys. Antonio being autistic is a good thing. They're not on Reddit, Brandon. They don't know. Ryan, you don't strike me as a Wall Street bet sort of person. No, I'm a crypto guy. Hey, they get into that sometimes. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not a Wall Street better. I'm more about Main Street. I care about Main Street. I don't believe in bailing out banks that don't <laughs> lend out money. Do I have a bank for you? It's called Bank of America. Wait, fuck. What, where do you work at? <laughs> oh, shit. No offense, Antonio. <laughs> it's okay. It's We did not take bailout money. No, you did not. You didn't. In other news... It, any any uh, cameos here? Any any other people that you want to talk about? Anybody you want to talk about? Shouts to Josh Molina. I know I just stole that from you, Nick. But that's fine. That's your boy. That's my boy. West Wing Scandal. Okay. It's gonna be my recommendation. Okay. <laughs> the first couple seasons of Scandal. You'll know when it's time to stop. <laughs> you'll know. You'll feel it in your heart. <laughs> uh, scenes. Anybody? Scenes. Scenes. Quotes. So the Oval Office scene when they decide to take the deal to make the deal, like the back and forth between Michael J. Fox and and Michael Douglas, that to me is just so much fun. That is an incredible scene. Anyone who's ever been like a theater nerd or just a person who enjoys good writing in a movie and great acting, the back and forth and the realization of seeing someone stand up to a person in the highest. Yes, I can talk to you this way because you are like, I am a citizen. You work for me. You are the president, you know, essentially. And that's not exactly what the line is, but that's exactly what he means by that. Yeah. I really like that scene. It also kind of shows like his character is still new to the scene and that he still has like this honorable intention and feels that doing the right thing should always win out. And it doesn't. What a fool. Did anyone else get like, I'm not saying goosebumps, but did anyone else get like this feeling of, wow, great acting? No, that was the one where initially I was like, I, I can't take Marty McFly seriously doing this right now. On the first rewatch and on the second watch, it was, yeah, I, don't, I didn't get goosebumps, but it was, it was powerful for sure. That wasn't the scene where he dropped the F-bomb, right? Because it was... That was earlier when they were losing all the votes. Yeah, it was earlier. He just lost his shit. And like, I think I mentioned the outline that you're allowed like one F-bomb in a PG-13 movie. And I thought it was like perfectly placed right there. Like you could sense his, that, that was good acting. Like you sense his frustration with the whole situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, one thing I, I wanted to mention about Michael J. Fox. So we saw this movie in, two, in 1995. Like my parents, me and my my sister and my grandmother. I remember vividly going to the movies and seeing this. And I remember after my sister was like jumping up and down and wouldn't hold still. And my mom made a comment like, "You need to sit still. You're you're more fidgety than the than the boy on the screen." And what she was talking about, what she was referring to, is because Marty McFly to her is still a like a boy because I used, I grew up watching Back to the Future. What hadn't come out yet is that he had Parkinson's. That hadn't been made public yet. The backstory on it is he was, Michael J. Fox was so nervous about the physical in order to be insured for the movie that he was afraid that if it was found out that he did have Parkinson's, 
that he wasn't going to be allowed to make the film. And it turned out the, the physical was only like, we're going to check your blood pressure and you have a beating heart. Cool. You're good to go. Can you imagine though, like what's going through your mind? Like I've got to, I've got to give this performance. Like, because if you look around the room, you have Michael Douglas, Oscar winner. You have Richard Dreyfus, either Oscar winner, or Oscar nominee, Martin Sheen, who should have at some point. Like you're in a room full of just people who have. Uh, and then the person who played uh, Kodak was just nominated for an Oscar a few years before that for best supporting actor. Like you're in this room and you're you're Alex Keaton. You know what I mean? You are a TV star who made a very popular trilogy of movies. You're not known for being the actor that all of these other people are. And so can you imagine, like, I have to go in there. I got to give him my A game. And I have to also not reveal or not try and show off, like, this incredibly tragic disease that I have that I'm going through. That's incredible. 29. He got diagnosed at 29, by the way. That's that's um, truly fucking wild to me. I, I can't imagine a whole bunch of shit that he has done in his entire life, but uh, pretty fucked up. One honorable mention scene. Every nominee for president on the Democratic side that has never had it, it was never in the in the service. It was part of the military has always been just fucking hammered by the other side for that. I've always known that I've always recognized that what I never recognized is if you watch that scene when they decide to attack Libya, how kind of like disrespectful or insolent, it's my word of the week, the members of the armed forces are, like the the generals and the admirals are towards President Shepard. Like they don't have the patience for him because they didn't serve like they did. And I kind of wondered, I was like, has that how they've always felt? They just didn't seem very, like they respected him very much. Maybe they didn't respect him because he was spending 75% of his mental capacity trying to fuck Annette Benning. <laughs> Maybe they knew that. Maybe they knew they were like, you know what? I, I understand that you're trying to do something here as president, but are you really concerned with us or are you concerned with the girl, the woman that you're leering at out there in the dish room? Um, I've already talked about my scene, the dish room scene. Incredibly problematic. Okay, so you don't actually like it. You just think it's a bad, like, it's just a <laughs> notable, funny to me. It's just a notable scene. Yes. Because I saw a lot of people mention that in our outline, that the China room scene is important. Uh, I think Jen and I are on the same page. I think perhaps everyone else is like, oh, yeah, that was such a nice scene. Good for them. <laughs> it was like a real nice moment in their relationship when it's like, ooh, will they? Won't they? <laughs> And Jen and I like look across at each other and we were like, is he going to like take her right now? Like, right. Will he take her? Will she escape? Who knows? Right. <laughs> Will she? Won't she? Um, quote wise, I mentioned one of mine. I, I will uh, only mention another one other because it kind of ties in with the scene thing. I love it is a cliche, but I love a scene where someone relentlessly shit talks someone else that like quietly sneaks up behind them to overhear it. And then they're like, oh yeah, I've been here. I've been here the whole time. Is it because it happens to you all the time? Partly. Um, I, I do appreciate the fact that no one ever gets their ass beat in those instances <laughs> because it gives me hope that I won't get my ass beat for relentlessly talking shit about someone. And having them sneak up behind me and magically appear. 
I love this specific reference to this movie that I'm making is obviously the introduction between the two when Sydney is um, basically saying, oh, gosh, this president sucks. And Michael Douglas walks in and says, well, let's take him out back and beat the shit out of him. It's a good line. It is. It is. I appreciate someone who can, uh, as the British say, take the piss out of themselves. So anybody else quotes? Jennifer? Oh, yeah. I don't remember the context necessarily. They were just like walking down the hall. And at one point, like, I guess his press secretary or somebody, I don't Whoever. Not a lot of character development. Um, Begging to say that. No. I mean, all they talked about was character in this movie. So, um, what was it? No need to develop any character when you've already got all the character. All you have to know is that he's the president. That's all you need. And she, what did he say? Oh, we need to schedule more events where somebody gives me a really big fish. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Because he seems like a casual dude. Would you say he was charming? No, casual, looking for love. Maybe doesn't need to be the president. Who knows? So endearing. He's just kind of there. I don't know. Uh, my line that I liked was, uh, she threatened me, I patronized her, we didn't need anything, but I thought there was a connection. I like that one. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great. <laughs> not not because I could relate to it or anything. Um, and then there was the other one but- that... <laughs> Michael J. Fox says where he talks about not committing. He tells all his dates that nothing's set in stone until about 30 minutes before the date. Kind of relate to that one. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot to mention that Aaron Sorkin wrote this while on crack cocaine. Um, Let's do. In one night. I don't. It didn't specify. Oh. Um, Let's do ratings. Uh, You know, I'm I'm interested in ratings because. because it seems like the overwhelming majority of you guys are very pro this movie. And I'm interested in hearing a thorough and detailed explanation of why. I don't know. Any, anybody want to go first? I'll go. I'm going to give it a three because I would rewatch this. I don't know if I'd give it out as an unsolicited recommendation, though. And if it were solicited, I wouldn't give it out as a political movie recommendation. Give it out as a romantic comedy question mark. Okay. Still waiting to hear on Shay, uh, Shay's take on it. I tweeted him. <laughs> My fingers are crossed. Anybody else? Who's excited about this movie? My, oh. Go, Jennifer. Yeah, get in there. Oh, no, I wasn't excited about it, though. Oh. Because I'm going to give out what I think is maybe only my second one. Wow. For a movie. <laughs> Jen and I have been on... The- separate pages for weeks now and I don't like it. <laughs> I was gonna say, the only way I would rewatch it is if like I totally missed it the first time and there's something amazing about it that I didn't catch. Also if it was on TV I'd be like what the hell is this and then like probably after 10 minutes I'd be like oh god no. Michael Douglas being weird and Annette Benning doing way too much. Yeah it's a one. No decimal for me. Just a solid one. Damn. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, Why are you saying sorry, <laughs> Brandon? I I've been I've been reliably informed that that your opinion and rating on this movie needs to come before Antonio's. So would you like to Would you like to go? Uh yeah. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give this movie a three. 
if you strip away all of the political stuff for a minute, it fits the classic bill of a rom-com. Uh, guy meets girl, guy loses girl. Guy goes to any length necessary to get girl back. So it's a little light, I think, on the calm part of the rom-com, but it still fits the traditional mold of a rom-com. And so um, I can never say no to a good rom-com. Um, this one, it's a three. It's a buy if I could find the DVD anywhere. You looked? Not yet, but I will be. Hey, hey, Ryan, did did they have DVDs in 1995? They did not. Antonio, do you do you need Ryan's rating before you go? No. Uh, I just wanted it on record that Brandon uh, gave a positive review because uh, he's also on record saying that any movie I would like, he would give a one. So this makes him a liar. Oh, oh God damn it. Hold on. Start the podcast <laughs> over again. I have I have new opinions about why this movie sucks. Got it. I need to give all new takes. Uh, I know I said I would reserve my my fours for a perfect movie, and this is wow. far from it. Oh. Uh, but I, I I will call no. my liar on this as well. Uh, th- this is a four for me. No, I, I would spin this into a Jojo Rabbit, you know, double feature night about a nice young lady over for you know movie night. But ah, uh, there you go. This was a uh, this is on that list. Ooh. I enjoyed watching. It I time. I enjoyed. You did this, Ryan. Time. You did this, my man. When will you be watching Wild Wild West with the young ladies? Antonio, it feels like the the young lady that you're planning a double feature for is Ryan. <laughs> Ryan, when are you coming over? I'm a pretty good first date. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, like I didn't. I actually didn't like the ending of this movie, but you know, it is what it is. Um, overall, like I said, I enjoyed it. It's it's a four for me. Put it on the board. Uh, Ryan, I'll let you have the last one because I think that you're in the majority here. Um, I don't know what happened here. Um, let's see. Do I want to be diplomatic about this? Um, no, you don't. Just do it. This is a 1.5. I don't get it. I think um, it feels like half measures, right? If you like if you like the politics and the sorkinness of this, then I think that there are way better things that you could be spending your time watching. Um, and I think if you like the romantic comedy aspect of it, I would encourage you to watch a movie that doesn't feature Michael Douglas in it. I have no intention of watching this again. It, it just felt like one of those things that I don't know. You know, it was it was two hours of my life. And I don't want to I don't want to do the disrespectful thing and say this is two hours of my life that I'll never get back. But this is two hours of my life that I don't want to redo and would not wish to to inflict on someone else. So, Brian? He's crying behind that microphone, Nicholas. Our words are very disrespectful. I I cannot, but like, me and Jen have been on the outs lately, but me and you, Nick? I thought thought we had something. Cassius and Brutus over here. (laughs) Amanda says y'all are stupid. I did not say that. I heard it. It's from the movie. Oh, that's true. My last two things I've said are about from the movie. I know, I know the other one was. My bad, my bad. This movie to me is a four 
by our rating system. I've rewatched it a bunch of times. It's on cable all the time. And when it is, you know, I can't help myself but stop and watch where it's at just to get to the last 20 minutes of the movie and watch that. Like, I just think the scenes between Michael, Michael J. Fox and Michael Douglas are great. Martin Sheen's amazing. And then the ending and him saying, I am the president. Even to this day, it still gives me kind of chills. But I'm a I'm a political nerd and maybe I'm a, you know, I believe in a fantasy land kind of like Aaron Sorkin does. Because I actually, it you know, you're right, Nick. It's It just seems like it is kind of somewhat fantasy landish. But the movie to me is a four. It's, to me, the last great political movie that we've had in the last 25 years. Like a movie solely based inside politics name a better one the ides of march it's way more political than this movie was but if i wanted to watch the first season of house of cards i would have just watched the first season of house of cards (laughs) if i wanted to watch the west wing instead of fuck you ryan (laughs) (laughs) fuck you how dare you you know i'm a sucker for nostalgia what can i say so it's a four for me dog make political movies great again say it ryan I do have a question for you, Ryan. You said you would stop and watch this on TV, but what channel is playing this? Because PBS. the rest of TNT, TBS. The rest of us had never heard of this movie, other than I think Brandon. Yeah, but you guys are streamers. I grew up with cable. I grew I up with cable too. We all I had grew up in the, like fucking sticks. Like I barely even had cable. We I didn't even have cable. We five had channels. dish. We had yeah. a dish. I and if it dish. rained, and if that dish was just like pointing the wrong direction, you weren't getting shit. Yep brag about it <laughs> yeah, I'll have cable okay recommendations yeah uh this movie which i should have nominated to begin with um i think i even talked about this at one point but um long shot with charlie Theron and seth rogan it is a great movie it's really good it is a better Absolutely. romantic comedy than this movie <laughs> But is it it's a so better good. political movie than this movie? No, of course not. She's not technically the president during the movie. No, but her being her being in the politician role is a great twist of um, you know norms. And Charlize is fucking fantastic in them. I'm recommending another Sorkin movie, a movie with a little bit more of a well, a, a better central character with a little bit more of a bite um, that for whatever reason got sort of underseen uh steve jobs shouts to shouts to michael fassbender he did really well in this um fmks understandably this is not a dig excluding the last two presidents to fill in one of these roles f m or k who would you choose so i'm gonna fuck bill clinton Mm -hmm. i'm gonna kill george hw bush and I'm going to marry FDR. Oh, beautiful. It's my guy. A handsome motherfucker back in the day. Mm. People don't know about young FDR. I'm going to fuck Bill Clinton because you know that guy fucks. This guy. I am going to marry. Actually. Hmm. Now nah, I take it all back. I am going to fuck George W. Bush because you know that guy fucks. I'm going to marry John F. Kennedy, because that dude's got some money. And I'm going to kill Richard Nixon, because that guy was a prick. He was a dick. But, you know, what's interesting, Ryan, is that I agree with you, except my 
my selection was going to be to fuck John F. Kennedy and marry GW. Right. Wait, what? Yeah. I'd marry GW. This is- I love him. <laughs> This explains so much. Uh, <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna fuck JFK, marry George W, and kill Tricky Dick. Yeah. Here's why you fuck George W. He's gonna have a beer and a cigarette ready for you right afterwards. He might even paint you. Yeah, paint me like one of your <laughs> French girls. Yeah, I think I'm gonna stick with Ryan's selection. Yeah. It's uh, you fuck GW. Uh, you marry Abraham Lincoln because he's honest, and you kill Richard Nixon because he tried to kill off mutants in the seventies. Beautiful, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Nick, what about you? Um, I'm going to fuck JFK. I'm going to marry FDR, and I'm going to kill Ronald Reagan. He's just a bad actor. I wonder what it'd look like you singing "Happy Birthday, Mr. President." <laughs> I've listen. I've done it before. All right, guys. All right. Appreciate everybody. But if you're listening to this in the morning and you haven't voted, go out, vote, vote, vote whoever you want—Republican, Democrat—just exercise your right to vote. Get in line and don't leave.